When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. I am here tonight with Ryan. You are listening to episode 204. Um, we suck, but how are you, Ryan? Uh, no, no Yuletide blessings at the moment in Red Wing Hockey Land. It has been bad and badder. Our cup has been emptied of cheer and has been filled with piss. Yep, yep. We have hit the ground running on shitty hockey and it's not even close. You could argue that some of it may have been good, but as a whole, it's just been just bad. How are you as a person? I guess that's a more important question because, I mean, we could be bad as a hockey team, but we're, I think we're still pretty good as people. No, I'm good there. I'm tired, but I'm good. Got my daughter's uh, bedroom ready to go for her Christmas gift. Installed, a, Got a TV on the wall. Gave her some uh, LED lights that can be controlled by app or Google. Put that around the bed. It's pretty sweet. I was pretty happy how the, how the room turned out. Tricked out bedrooms. I like it. Mm-hmm. Not bad for a 10-year-old. We have a show today. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time lamenting on the terrible losses. I mean, last time we talked, uh, we had just came off the road trip at Dallas. We have since played Carolina, Minnesota, Ottawa, and Washington, and taken one point. Uh, which was this past game against Washington, which, like you said, I mean, by all accounts, not a terrible game. Um, two really, really quick goals right there. One goal should have been disallowed because of the puck hit the netting before bouncing back into play. But we all know how that works after scoring a goal off the netting against the L.A. Kings a uh, while back. And it's I mean, it is what it is. And you could say that, oh, it's the reason we lost the game. But the reason we lost the game is because we didn't score more goals. And that's just, I mean, the long and short of it. So I don't want to spend too much time really hammering on that because there's not much to say there. Other than fuck Ryan Reeves. Sure. Ryan Reeves is a piece of shit. You can call that a clean hit as much as you want. Any hit where the primary point of contact is the face is not a clean hit. 
And I would no. also I would also argue that his hit on Gustav Lindstrom was equally as bad. Now nah, that that one was I, I'll, I'll disagree with you on that one. But the other one, he can go ahead and get fucked. What about uh, Larkin getting hit in the side of the head? Same game? No, no. Oh, the Washington. No, the Ottawa game. He got sideswiped right in the side of the face and then he cross checked. Is that when he went down? I was at that game and I was trying to find out why he went down. That was what happened. Austin Watson nailed him in the side of the head. And oh, then the name is not a surprise. The next day was fined five thousand dollars. And that was it. Was he really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I missed that because I, I remember seeing the draw. I looked at something and then all of a sudden Larkin's down just above the face off. I'm like, what the hell happened? He was pissed off. Then he was chirping at the ref. And then he got called the next his next line or his next shift for the cross check interference, whatever it was. And it was go figure the exact same ref that called him for that penalty is who didn't call the one of him getting sideswiped. Of course. And it's again, we go back to the point that the Department of Player Safety is a complete joke. They don't care about sure it. Is. Doesn't matter. Uh, and it's because it's run by goons and because Gary Bettman doesn't believe in CTE. And all that stuff because they don't care. It it the it gets them views. It gets people talking. It gets like social media interaction and all of that. And that's all they want. They could give two shits less about the player. And I think the players' association needs to start doing something about it. They need to figure it out because I mean, and what pisses me off even more is that Lalone and some of the guys in the wings even partly defended the hit. I'm like, how do you defend a headshot? It's one thing to def- like you get blown up in the middle of the ice. That's on you. There's been plenty of hits that way, and there's some that have been recent that have been perfectly clean hits where the head was avoided. There was no attempt by Reeves, go figure, to avoid the head. And then he then he lauded his hit after the fact. You know what have been a better shot and pro- probably an even more effective hit would have been a shoulder to shoulder there because he would have spun him around and had the same effect on it. And, and I, I get the, the argument that Hironic needs to Pisses me off as people say he needs to get his head up. Sure, I get that. His head was actually up like the whole way. He was, yeah, he was looking left and then turned back and was looking straight. He was bent over because he was rushing up the ice. But there's there was ample opportunity for Reeves to make a proper hit there, and it didn't happen. And what pissed me off more, and Matt Larkin, bless his heart, tried to say that the body was the main point of the entire hit. And I'm like, no, it was not. And the fact that he showed me a screenshot from behind showing that he's going through the chest, that was after the fact that his shoulder had gone through his face. And I was, uh, no, it, you can tell me, I can see, I can watch great hit after great hit moment. It, we're not talking about the mid nineties and McCarty said as much, those hits in the nineties fly all day. Those hits now should not and can't fly. It will piss me off even more. There wasn't even a call made on him for the hit. Because at that point, the official could have made the choice to review it, and if anything, rescinded what the initial call could have been, or just made it a two-minute roughing call. Anything like it's pretty fucked up when the NFL has a better understanding of head hits than the NHL does, and that's all they do in the NFL: hit each other in the head. Yeah, to me, it makes no sense, and I don't think it's going to be fixed until Paros is out of there. And I'm not sure if that position. Well, they need to change the rule too. Well, I'm not sure if that position is a position with a contract or if it's a position until the person quits. But it's something definitely needs to happen. And you're right. They do need to change the rule. A lot of people are like, well, if you don't like it, then change the rule. Okay, we have zero power in changing rules. The Players Association 
needs to get together with people and say, hey, this is not okay. And there have been some other hits this year that have gone uncalled. And guys like Mark Mathot have come out. And, like, he's a dude that he's the last person you think would be talking against, like, head hits. And he's like, this shit needs to stop. Because someone is going to get seriously injured. Someone is going to have a career-ending injury or lasting effects. Look how many concussions Sidney Crosby has had in his life and how he suffers from those. And I think one more concussion and Crosby's out of hockey. Look at Franzen. Yeah, it's I mean, it's debilitating and you have to stop it before something bad happens. Cut it off early. There, there's going to be moments where some of this shit's unavoidable. This one to me, Reeves had him lined up from before the blue line as Ronick was coming through. He had plenty of time to adjust his hit and how he was going to do it. Instead, he didn't. He came in shoulder and arm tucked already, and he fully extended through the head to say anything. Otherwise, you all you got to do is watch Ronick's head in the process. That fucker shot straight back. It was one of the first things that hit the ice. The fact that he only missed that the rest of that game because the wild doc wouldn't let him back in is actually pretty impressive. And he's had a he, I'm pretty sure he's had a severe concussion. What? Just in the last couple of years as well. Well, plus Hronik was bleeding in the face from that hit. Yeah, but he didn't get hit in the head, according to these people. No, it was hit directly in the face. But that's all you are going to really expect. From a guy who has like three points in 24 games and Ryan coming Reeves. from the same player that missed a wide open net on an yeah. empty netter. Like that, that tells you everything you need to know about what Ryan Reeves brings to the NHL. He's a plug that's only job is to beat people up and he's not going to get penalized for it because that's his only job. So uh, I think that's all we have to say about that. It was a shit shot. You can say it was good as much as you want, but it wasn't. It's what's wrong with hockey and what needs to be removed before people get seriously hurt. If it's shoulder to shoulder, I'll agree. That's a great hit all day. And Horonic set himself up for failure. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Uh, the other piece of news was Austin Zarnick was waived. Elmer Soderblom was reactivated. Uh, Zarnick did play a game after clearing waivers, but he was sent down today to Grand Rapids. Now, side note, Zarnick wasn't waived because Soderblom was activated, though. No, he was waived because of the roster freeze. That is uh, coming up or that actually passed yesterday, the roster freeze, and it, which is the roster's trades and waves and reassignments can't happen again until the 28th of December. Uh, but Zarnik uh, was sent down because another piece of news that we'll talk about in a little bit is Jacob Vrana is back. Uh, we do have to talk about that a little later on in the show. But Zarnik, during his showing in Detroit, 12 games uh, played with two goals and one assist, really strong on the fourth line. Like really good with Bergeron and Valeno or Bergeron and Valeno. And it was really, I mean, refreshing to see a guy who's really just was brought in to be a fill-in when injuries happen, come in and perform that role like really well. No, I think we talked about this, what, last week? The fact that the Grand Rapids line has been crushing it out there. And really, it's been fantastic to see not only Zarnik's growth. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can argue that it's growth. He's doing what I think everyone expected him to do maybe a little bit more like he's been a high tempo high energy guy on the fourth line which is really all you can ask for and i know i made the comparison before of what they needed from the fourth line and how tampa uses theirs and how they did for the last several years when lalone was there and he was i think a perfect example of that but did it amount to a lot of goals for him in points not necessarily but he was out there in trusted situations, getting offensive zone time, 
and he wasn't a detriment on offensively or defensively. And he, that's really all you could ask for. It's what he was brought here to do. And yes, he was a Grand Rapids signing, but you can't be too mad about anything that he did in his time while he was up here. And even being on the fourth line, he averaged 11 minutes and 27 seconds of ice time per game. He had a 15.4 shooting percentage, which is uh, pretty crazy to me. His Corsi numbers are not so great at a 44.4% and a 45.2, meaning puck really wasn't controlled while he was on the ice as well as it could have. But his on-ice save percentage was a 94-4. And that's, I, I mean, that's a compliment to that entire line is that Berggren is really good at taking the puck away. He's very good at puck control. Joe Valeno's picked his game up playing with Berggren. And Zarnik, I think, was a good compliment to that line. And on the fourth, he's going to be replaced by Soderblom because that's what's going to happen there. I don't think you're going to get the Rasmussen Sunquist Soderblom line again going forward, probably. It was fun while it lasted. But... I, I liked what he had, and he'll go back to Grand Rapids, which Grand Rapids desperately needs him. Yeah, no, it's you mentioned the on ice save percentage. When those three together, meaning Berggren, Valeno, and Zarnik, they had a 97 threes on ice save percentage. They had three goals for one against. They had 10 games together total, 82 and a half minutes, almost 86, 80, excuse me, almost 83 minutes of time on ice to spend together, which is pretty significant given 10 games, to, and that's what their main focus was. Their course, he was a 4901. Now, this is at five on five, mind you, which obviously would be what we're talking about. But you, the, if they're outscoring the opponent on the fourth line, all you can ask for. And the fact that they're, you got Valeno and Zarnik, they're more defensive minded players, but they can turn it on offensively. And then Berggren, I think, is now just turning into that diamond in the rough, even though I don't know if you want to, he could technically be called that, but he is showing that he does not deserve to be on the bottom pairing. Or bottom six, he should be in your top six. And or in Grand Rapids. <laughs> yeah. Like he's too. there's no way he's going back to Grand Rapids with how good he's been. It would make absolutely his, zero sense. His sauce pass to Sonny in yesterday's game was absolutely incredible. That power play goal to put him up to nothing, which inevitably got lost. That is where my comparisons to him a long time ago being a Zetterberg miniature Zetterberg type player, that just helped reinforce that feeling for me and he's been doing that almost each game yeah i think that it's and it's only going to get better too i mean he has what was it 10 points in 18 games it is 10 and 18 four goals six assists and 1251 of ice time yeah 1251 of ice time in 10 points in 18 games is uh i mean very good for your first shot in the nhl and a lot better than what philip zadina was doing so I'm again, Philip Zadina is going to be close to returning. I'm not sure what's going to happen there because, like I said, Elmer Soderblom is back. He scored a goal in his game back. He was subsequently scratched the next game for an unknown reason. You say subsequently. Yeah. Subsequently. Yeah, it's however you want to say it. <laughs> but he was scratched in the next game. And then, like I said, Zarnik was reassigned to Grand Rapids. And Soderblom will be back on the team for our next game. But with what's happening with the individual players is good, with the team is not. I mean, Berggren's already catching up to Raz. He's one point behind Rasmussen. He's past Suter. Uh, Olimata doesn't count because he's a defenseman, but he's two points behind Sonny, three behind. Like, he's catching all these guys in your depth team with, uh, let's see, six, between six and 13 games in hand. So, depending on who you're looking at. And doing it all on the fourth line with some special teams. 
However, he's getting power play time now, so that's positive. Yeah, because he can score goals and he's a setup machine. Like, what what do you want? What do you want him to do? I mean, keep he's going to keep showing you that he belongs in the top six, and you're going to keep telling him no. And I just, I, I guess maybe after trade deadline, if something moves there, because you're going to have Robbie Fabry coming back. Like I said, you've got Jacob Verona coming back. So you're going to have to do a little bit of a, of a lineup shuffle and a roster shuffle in order to make everything work. It'll get even more interesting towards the trade deadline because Ansar Khan, we all love Ansar Khan, those of us that uh, can actually view his tweets, has, was, was asked today if he thinks that if Bertuzzi will be moved, if the two sides can't reach a deal, and he does. He says if the two sides cannot reach a deal by the trade deadline, he believes that Bertuzzi will be moved and that there is enough sample size to know that Bertuzzi can do what he can do when he's healthy and in good shape with a 30-goal season and a 21-goal campaign over his past four years. So he's saying if Bert doesn't get a contract before trade deadline, then he thinks Bertuzzi is gone. That is where I think you're going to get yourself maybe some Berggren top six minutes. I, I think he'll get top six before that, but that's just me being hopefully optimistic. But I mean, a part of me wants to feel and believe that Ansar is doing it to just get some clicks and stir in the pod because that's what he's typically good at. But it'll be interesting because I still we still can go look back at last season and be like, you should have traded Bert here. Yeah, and I think that might bite us in the ass that we didn't. But I mean, at the same time, you can see maybe it wasn't traded because of Larkin. I mean, maybe it wasn't because we thought. I mean, you look at what this roster was for opening night and there's not a whole lot you could be upset about. And he was a part of that. Now, moving forward, he's maybe working with how Soderblom came in and made an impact and is slowly getting his legs under him, so to speak. You got Berggren finally showing what he can do when given the opportunity. Like, there's certain young players that we were hoping for are starting to make that splash. And if that means that it works Bird out, I mean, we got Verona potentially being back here soon. Fabry's going to be back now. Is hard. His knees going to hold up. His body going to hold up. That's going to be the worry. You're not. You're missing him. I mean, even when Bert was back, it wasn't that pretty. Yeah, it was not great. Like he, I, I feel like he's pulling what Larkin's doing right now. Larkin does not look good. No, he's playing hurt. They even said it on the broadcast. He is not 100, percent but he's playing because it's his team, and he he has he thinks he has to be out there. His his passes are not anything close to what we're used to seeing. I mean, the speed's still there, obviously, because it's a hand injury, but he's not taking draws. That's hurting him even more. Yeah, he can't shoot either because of his wrist. So, I mean, you're mostly, he's a shovel passer right now who's going to join the rush is basically what's happening with Larkin, which kind of sucks. So, but with Bert, man, would I be upset if he got traded? Probably. Would it be the end of the world? No, because there's probably still going to be a decent return there. And even if it is just draft capital, I mean, it is what it is. But I'll even say that I'm not sure I'd be that upset if Burke got traded because he's held out on contracts before. Like you said, he hadn't looked good even when he came back from injury. And that I still don't think he fits the window and well-being at the level of play that he's currently at. I don't think he fits the championship window. Right. So that's, that's, I, I, that's just my take on it. And we'll talk more about it once we get closer to trade deadline because then we'll have a little bit better idea once everyone comes back healthy, I think trade deadlines in like the first or second week of March. So we've, we're still a long ways off. But when everyone comes back healthy and we've got this roster intact again, we'll be able to get a little bit better idea of who's working well where and what pieces, if we get rid of them and gain assets, aren't really going to make 
a bigger difference to us. So, and he, Ansar even said in the article that if he doesn't get a contract done, whether we're in a playoff position or not, he still believes that we would trade him. Oh, he even thinks that he's going that far with it. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter what position they're in that he would be traded. See, I, I think the only thing that's going to work out for Detroit in this scenario is that if, when, when he finally does come back, he needs to hit it off. And oh, yeah. like, if, if he doesn't, then what are you, are you just trying to get like a third or a fourth at that point to cut your losses? No, I, if you, you know, you still he's think not, he's going to garner a lot more. If you know, he's not going to sign and you are desperately have to trade him. I teams, I will start bidding higher than that regardless. So I don't think a team's just going to be like, here's a fourth and it's your only offer. And I, I don't, I just don't see that happening because teams know he's worth more than that. And they know other teams are going to be calling or Iserman can just lie to them and say, guess what? This other team offered me. It's nowhere near what you're offering. So Iserman can Jedi mind trick there. But I, I don't think I think you're at least going to get value back for him, um, especially if he agrees to sign with the team that you're trading him to. I think that's going to be the thing is that the team that you're trading him to is going to want an agreement from him that he's going to sign there before they they trade anything of, of decent value for him. Yeah, it'll be interesting because if you've got a healthy Burt and a healthy Larkin, like him, Larkin, Burt, and Raymond, they've had nine total games together with 31 minutes and five on five. They've had 100% saves percentage, so they haven't been scored on when they play together with a 57-1-4 Corsi 4. Somehow they've only put in the, pu- the puck in the net once. That, I think, speaks to how Burt was feeling the off year that Raymond's kind of having and Larkin going back and forth being healthy. So it's, it's getting to be interesting and not in a good way. Yeah, but what is interesting, I mean, also not in a good way because it doesn't really make any of a difference. The Detroit Red Wings did make a trade this week. They acquired defenseman Michael Delzato from the Panthers in, ex- in exchange for Giovanni Smith and then went ahead and threw Delzato over to Anaheim in exchange for Danny O'Regan. This is a... Strictly AHL trade. None of this really affects the Red Wings roster at all. The only reason the Red Wings had to announce it is because Giovanni Smith is a Red Wing. Like he's signed by the Red Wings. So uh, Smith had not been good in Grand Rapids. He was on the fourth line still there. So he goes to Florida. Uh, Danny O'Regan comes over from Anaheim. Danny O'Regan in his NHL career, because he has played NHL games, He's played 30 games uh, with a total of six points, one goal and five assists between San Jose, uh, Toronto and Buffalo. So those were his stops on his way to Anaheim, where he played five games. So those are the teams he had played for. He is not, I mean, not an NHL player. If we ever need a super, super depth right handed center, he'll be the guy that gets called up, I guess, because he has the experience. But it's a. People are crying over the loss of Giovanni Smith. I I can't see it, man. It doesn't a couple really years matter ago, to me. I probably would have been more upset. Now it's just whatever. Yeah, I mean, you you brought him in to fight, which he lost most of the time, and then he took stupid penalties, which put you on the penalty kill. People are like, well, we need that buyer to pump up the team. I'm like, since when does losing a fight pump up your team? Yo, I'm sorry, but put, going down on the penalty kill 
or be, being put on the penalty kill and then getting probably scored on every time he was out put in the box is not a way to pump, pump your team up. Sorry. It isn't. That's all he was pretty much useful for really the last year and a half. And it sucks because I thought he was going to be one of those young, impactful grinder players on this team never came to a head. And it's, it's kind of frustrating. And it looked really close a few times, a few times you're like, man, he looks like he's really putting it together. And then the entire thing fell apart. Like wheels completely gone. Yeah. It was a blink of an eye kind of thing. So it's uh, the trade is a trade and they did it because they could. And I'm not sure maybe Iserman just garners some favor by getting Delzato over to Anaheim. So maybe something further comes of it when Iserman says, hey, remember what I did for you. And I'm just uh, it's a, it's a nothing trade, guys. Like we can't it, you'd be overstating it to say it's anything other than that. But uh, there are a bunch of people on Twitter and other places that are crying over the loss of Giovanni Smith. I'm here to pat you on the back and tell you that it'll all get better because in a few months you won't even remember that he was here. So that's about as uh, as much as you're going to get out of me for the Giovanni Smith trade. It's just I don't I don't care as much as probably I should. in, in being the host of a Red Wings podcast, I don't care because there was nothing was happening there. So no, whatever. He got passed up very quickly on the depth chart. Godspeed. So the next bit of news we've got, which is actually really good. What we're going to do actually first, though, is take a break for a word from our sponsor before we get to the uh, final talking point of the night. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility requirements apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. And the last bit of news we have for tonight, uh, which you all know that it happened because it happened on December 16th, Jacob Verana returned to Red Wings practice for the first time since being placed in the Players Assistance Program on October 19th. Uh, he was initially wearing a blue non-contact jersey. He had the second practice he took. He was out of that. He was in full contact. Yeah, that was quick. I, I kind of wasn't expecting that to be so fast. Yeah, I, I think they just wanted to get him on ice to skate a little bit just to get his legs under him. He did say they actually surprisingly let him do a media interview like right after his practice where he said he had been keeping up with his workouts and stuff. So he is good to go for all intents and purposes. But uh, I mean, that's uh, we're getting little rays of sunshine now in the land of six straight losses. We're getting little rays of sunshine. And this is one of them because granted, he only played two games this season. He had two points in two games, a goal and an assist. In those two games, his Corsi four was 56 four and his Fenwick four was 50. I mean, he's been all of last season in 26 games was a 52-6 Corsi 4 and a 51-8 Fenwick. So on a team who is being outscored, what did you say? It was 15 to 7 in the last six games. In the last week. I mean, that was since we last talked. He's a guy that is your pure goal scorer. The guy you figured if healthy all season could score probably 40 goals. And it's what you need right now. With Bertuzzi injured again, 
who wasn't scoring anyways. Verona is the kind of game changer that you need to just go out and take over offense. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to be back this week or maybe even next week. Uh, Ansar also said that it's possible he could go to Grand Rapids for conditioning for a couple games, uh, which someone tweeted us RIP AHL goalies. But <laughs> I think that uh, maybe needs one or two maybe conditioning games before he comes back. But it's a dude who is going to hopefully come into your lineup and just immediately there's an impact player. Just think if Berggren is feeding him sauce. Just stop that right now. Oh, it would mean he'd have to be in the top six. So, Well, the, he will be. I'd, I'd be. I'd be fine with that. If your second line was Berggren, Cop, and Verana, I wouldn't have any issue with that line at all. Does that finally spur Cop a little bit? Free him, like get him going? Maybe, and I'm not mad at Cobb. Not saying that he's doing horrible. No, he's been he he is a roller coaster right now to me. Yeah, I can see it, but to me, like people are bagging on Cop. Actually, people are very, very hard on Cop online, and right now for no reason. Cop has been absolutely fine. Well, the other game he had a pretty good reason. But I mean, other than a couple gaffes, and people are like, "Well, the mistakes he make are very obvious." Well, so is every other player. Any mistake they make is going to be obvious. But he's been effective. His face-off numbers have been up. And I am i can't be mad at Cop right now. In, I still don't think he's close to 100%. No, I don't either. But he's to me, it looks like he's getting there. The game is improving. I mean, 18 points in 31 games, it's not really nothing, a whole lot to uh, be upset about. He's tied with Raymond, if that tells you anything. so. Yeah, it tells me Raymond's having a sophomore slump. Uh, but Jacob Verana... Good for him for doing what he did. Hopefully he is in the right place now to be able to focus 100% on the game. And if his focus was off the game and he was doing what he was doing, just imagine what he can do with his focus 100% on the game. And I I hope that he comes in and just absolutely kills it and has a, a monster season going forward because I think he deserves it. I think the team deserves it. And it gives coach just another another weapon to work with because the power play has already been pretty good. But when you've got a sniper, a pure goal scorer on the power play, and then you can move someone off of power play one that's really good down to power play two. It's I mean, your option. I mean, you just open up so many more options when you add something like that back in. And then you've also got Robbie Fabry, who should also be back within the next couple of weeks. So like we were talking about. You're going to have a really packed lineup really quick because Robbie Fabry, I think we said at the end of the day, when the team is really good, Robbie Fabry is probably a third line guy who plays like a second liner. And then at that point, you're just the minutes between your first, second and third line are going to probably be pretty close because the talent levels are all there. And that's absolutely a win, because for one, it's not going to wear your guys out. And two, it gets us back to like when we were seeing these highlights and we were feeling good about wins because we had all the lines were clicking and that can hopefully reestablish that it's bringing you're getting some speed back because to be honest, I think during the six game losing streak, they've looked slow. They've looked just kind of there. And when you watch other teams play, especially some of these better teams like Colorado, Minnesota, for instance, which I hate to claim. Carolina, Edmonton, like some of these teams that have been around and winning a lot. I've, those are just a few of the ones I've seen lately. They don't stop. The Rangers, they just keep going. Meaning 
there's a loose puck, they're going after it. They're not just taking a turn and going off for a change. Like one guy's keeping that pressure on at all times. And I feel like we we saw that early on with Detroit. So I don't know if maybe they just hit the wall at this point in the season somehow. Maybe the injuries are finally catching up to them. I just think it's the decimation of injuries. But it's they just need to find that extra gear a little bit more, it seems like. And that, that's what's going to help elevate them to the next level. It's But like the Ottawa game, it just seemed like they wanted the puck more, they being Ottawa. Whereas Detroit was like, oh, we got it. Okay, let's see what we can do. Oh, dump and chase. It's a generalization, I know, but it's that's how it's it's felt lately. It's more like you're saying needs you need to be foot on the gas 100% of the time. There yeah. is no no resting back, no sitting and waiting for for things to happen. It's you have to make things happen. You need to be constantly trying to make things happen. But we have seen that when the team is healthy or when the team does that, they hang with teams like Tampa. They hang with playoff teams. Yeah, by no by no means is a slow team, but they've looked slow. But I mean, not even just speed wise, it's talent wise. We pissed Tampa off. That's how well we played that game. We made them mad. So when we've seen that when they put the work in and when they have that drive and when the compete level is there and they don't back off, that they can beat teams like that. They hung in. Dallas is a playoff team. They hung in it with Dallas. I mean, it's it's not as bad as people are. Sure, the slide is bad. This past stretch of losses is bad. But if you go back, Carolina is a playoff team, right? We lost to Carolina uh, one to nothing. That's not a terrible game. That's not a terrible loss. You you lost one to nothing. We lost against the Caps. Now the Caps are in a wild card spot, but that was a good game, too. And that went to overtime, like we said, minus the two holes. So the, the Dallas game was three to two, and that was an overtime loss. So we're hanging in with the teams that are playoff teams. Even Toronto, we hang in with Toronto when we play them. So it's it's not for a lack of trying against the hard teams to play against. Maybe it's just that they're letting off against teams that are expected to be easy, which makes no sense. I mean, you could you can make that argument against Ottawa because I don't understand what was happening in that game in terms of special teams right there. Like it was three to three going on a third, and then boom, we got two shorthanded goals and a power play goal. It's there that whole game was just frustration city for me to watch. But I mean, yeah, the six game skid has been against one, two, three, four, five playoff caliber teams, and that's all it is like going forward. And then tomorrow we've got Tampa, and we've got Pittsburgh. So leading up to the new year, we've got two more teams that are playoff caliber, but then you got Ottawa and Buffalo in the mix which we've already found out that both of Ottawa and Buffalo can kick our ass. So yeah, for no particular reason either. <laughs> they, they better find whatever it is they believe in before the new year, because this gauntlet of a month we knew it would be potentially rough. I wasn't expecting six game losing streak rough. Yeah. But then you also start the year, the first four games in January, Jersey, Florida, Toronto, Winnipeg, like those that's a hard Jersey and then Toronto again. Yeah. Jersey, Florida, Toronto is not a great three great uh, three game stretch there. So it'll be really interesting. Like I said, really interesting to see what happens. But by one of those games, we should have Fabry back. And you should have Verona in the lineup. Hopefully Verona, maybe Bert. Who knows? Maybe Olimata is back to 100 percent after having fucking pneumonia, 
Which... Yeah, that was just, that, that threw me off. I was not expecting that. They're like, oh, Ali Matt is sick. And they were like, oh, OK, maybe he's got like the flu or something. Then he's out for two games. They're like, yeah, he just had pneumonia. We're like, oh, my God. And now he's so he's playing bottom pair because he's still working, you know, to get. Yeah, his lungs I don't think he's 100 percent yet either. <laughs> no, we have pneumonia. Your lungs don't fucking work. So he's getting his lungs to work again. And once he's back up, it'll get a little better. The defense will improve. Jake Wallman, I think, has been fantastic, minus taking, like, what was it, 12 penalties the other night? But I, I, it'll, it'll, I'm here to tell you it will get better. I don't think there's any way it gets worse. It doesn't get worse than what it is now, than six losses in a row. No, uh, well, we need to win tomorrow, or it will. I yeah, it'll get one worse. Thank you, Ryan. It will. It'll get one worse if we lose tomorrow. But it. I, I just more deep thoughts. I just think that this team, when healthy, can do really, really good things, and they've shown they can do really, really good things. So, and, and again, like you said, Larkin is still injured too, so that's also not helpful. Um, but I think that's uh, I think that's all we have for tonight, right? I think it was a pretty short show because it was a quick recap of madness. Painful week. Week and a half, if you will. I mean, thankfully, we're going to the holidays, so. Yeah, not not fun at all. Um, but yeah, I, I guess then we can say uh, happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners that started. And then uh, by the time you're listening to this, it will be three days till Christmas. Or maybe you're listening to it after Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone and happy holidays. Hey. And however you uh, however you celebrate. But uh, Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off. Uh, final thoughts. Please win a game. That's pretty much uh, how I'm going to sum that this this up right now is losing isn't fun. I, I can handle three, maybe four game losing streaks. That is what it is. They've had those this year and it hasn't been fun. This one's not fun. I get that the teams are, that we're playing are really good. But shit, man, they got they got to fix it in quick. And no, the injuries aren't helping. But if they lose to Tampa, it's going to be. Maybe a not so fun Christmas time. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But they need to get healthy first and foremost. Larkin, especially because they're living and dying by him, it seems like. And him not being 100% really brings them down to a different level. So, other than that, have a happy, merry Christmas. And yeah, already around 33. My final thoughts are we do uh, next year is going to be a lot of fun for us. Next year, I mean, starting in January, we have a lot of guests lined up to like begin the year, which is going to be really cool. Some really cool guests uh, that are going to come on and talk about a whole bunch of different stuff. So stay tuned for that. Um, it'll be really neat. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. Follow Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We'll give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet on Twitter for hosting our podcast and spreading it around. We also give a shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit jerseys from and worked on. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE at Howie's Hockey Tape, you'll get 10% off your order. If you use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you'll get 12% off your order. Go sub to us on YouTube and turn on the notifications. You can see our beautiful faces and the funny shit we do. Uh, well, we are not talking because it gets <laughs> pretty interesting sometimes when the mic is muted and we are free to move around and do other stuff. It's mostly just 10 minutes of Tyler fucking eating food. I'll say it's usually Tyler just disappearing for a couple minutes, eating food, yelling at his roommate, whatever he needs to do. At least it's not the, the yelling at the cat anymore. Yeah, no, he just has a roommate who's uh, loud. At least cat wasn't loud. True. The room, roommate and in, in, uh, New England Patriots football do not mix well. 
You can also find our merch by going to redbubble.com and searching the grind line. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Akutown.